everybody. Welcome back. This is Play Games Lose Friends. I'm Ryan. Back with Ken. It's episode 34. That's right, 34. It's been we're a bit there. again. Summer's uh, taken up most of our time, but we're still managing to fit this in when we can. So all some games. Uh, so let's dive into our favorite subject, uh, Shell Corporation tax laws. We're glad you could join us. Uh, Ken's an expert. No, wait, wrong podcast. Uh, yeah, games, board games. That's what we're here for. Just had to remind myself. How much uh, time have you spent, would you say, in the last month getting to play games? Not much, right? Well, so my playlist is a little bit longer than normal because there were uh, there was a weekend with our family in Baltimore. So we got to play a lot of games that weekend. And then there was a follow-up picnic where we got to play one that was such a hit, we just did not not play anything else. So, ooh, what game? Uh, it's a li- it's what's that? I said tease me now before <laughs> we get to the what we played. I just well, want to know the title. Uh it's it's actually one I think I've played with you before, uh and it's called Just One. Oh. Good choice. So, yeah. And, Excellent party game. Yeah, and it's funny, there was a I just saw something probably on YouTube where there's a new game that is sort of the reverse of just one. That it's a new party game coming out. So, in that you all have to kind of guess the same thing. I, th- I think you're trying to sync up and then if you're unique, oh my it God. gets removed. So, that's that kind of neat. brutal. <laughs> I I mean, if you think about it when you play, not to get off tr- topic too much, but it is a board game podcast. Right off the bat. Uh, when you think you like play just one, you think similarly most of the time. And so you're doing the opposite all the time. I wonder how the opposite would work. Yeah, that's weird. Do people really – because that's kind of similar to green team wins, right? Sort of, yeah, where uh, the majority is the right answer. So Yeah, I, I that could be pretty interesting. I, I might buy that because just yeah, one. Every time I get that out, that's a huge hit. Everybody loves that game. And yeah, you get we, a lot of laughs. Yeah, we played with uh, almost the full count. What is it? Eight, twelve, something like that in something the box. Like that. It's a lot. I think we there's played, only eight of those little boards. Yeah, so we had almost the full count. Uh, diff- a whole bunch of different ages of people, uh, and everyone just really, really enjoyed it. Um. Good to the point where uh, my wife's cousin who brought it was so was almost mad it was such a hit because we got to play literally nothing else but that and and uh, <laughs> and drink the beer so we played just one and drink the beer so those were the two games we got in at the picnic. Well, so. if there's two games you're going to get in, <laughs> and one of them's drink the beer, doesn't really matter what the other one is, but that's an excellent choice. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say no to that game ever. I, I've never not <laughs> had fun playing that game. It's one of those it's a good quintessential top tier party games. Yeah. All right. Well, we are back for episode thirty four. Welcome back, everybody. It's nice to be here. It's nice to talk to everybody again. Not about Shell Corporation tax laws. Uh, we have. Sure? Are we going to start off with some? Well, I don't know. I don't have enough money for a Shell Corporation. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Maybe if we start that Patreon someday when we have more than you know, <laughs> a show Patreon eight to a hundred listeners or whatever range <laughs> we're in right now, um, yeah, shell Patreon. <laughs> uh, 
We're going to start off by concluding our contest. That's right. We had a contest recently. We talked about Tapestry a handful of episodes ago, and we got quite a bit of Tapestry time in and played it and had a long discussion. And it just so happens that Ken had some uh, Tapestry expansions sitting around that we could do for a giveaway. And we finally have a winner. Would you like to announce the lucky fellow or or lass? Yes. The winner of our tapestry contest is Jordan E. So, Jordan, uh, congratulations. We'll shoot you an email, let you know you've won. Um, and then we'll get it shipped out to you as soon as we possibly can. And, Jordan, if you get them to the table, we'd like to hear about it. So, shoot us an email back. We want to know. I'm assuming you have tapestry. tapestry. Yeah. Yeah, but if you don't and you pick it up and you get these expansions out with some friends, we want to know what you thought about it, as well as anyone else listening who has played the game, thoughts on it. It was a very divisive title for us and some – well, maybe just me. Maybe I'm the only one. Well, no, I think Joe had some commentary around it too, but – Yeah, but again, that uh, was Tuesday. Curious to hear what people think. What's that? It was on a Tuesday, so – Oh, yeah. 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 That's not his good days. His his board game opinions only matter on a Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) When he's like mentally salient enough to do the basic tasks of rolling yes. a die and moving a token on a track, yeah, yeah, it's important. But let us know what you think. Congratulations to Jordan, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get another contest in the works here soon, as well as some more interviews. I know I have a couple in the, uh, irons in the fire there. Hopefully, a couple kickstarters that are coming up that I'm very excited about. So stay tuned. We'll have more good stuff coming uh, later this year. All right. So we mentioned uh, to each other before the show a little topic that I, I, I kind of saw in the news. I'm just going to briefly cover this, but I'm just curious your thoughts. I've been seeing some, you know, there's a lot of board game media out there, right? There's just tons and tons of YouTube channels now. There's podcasts all over the place. Uh, personalities that write, like Dan Thoreau comes to mind. Um, but not all of them are big, right? Some of them are like us, kind of just getting started and smaller. And some of them are really well-known names. And the article that I read kind of focused on sponsorships or, you know, product provided reviews. In other words, a manufacturer either sent a free copy of the game to that reviewer, similar to how we did a review for Marvel Dice Throne. Uh, Thanks again to the OP for providing that to us. And we did disclose it. Um, or they'll get a copy of the game and payment for review. Now, that could be a good review or a bad review. I guess it depends on the credibility of the reviewer. Or maybe they just like to whore themselves out for money. I don't know. Not throwing stones because can't, can't say I wouldn't do the same thing in some cases. But <laughs> the article focused on disclosure of this, right? So I guess there's a lot of laws that the FTC has around if you are reviewing a product or a service or whatever – and you are paid to do so in any fashion, you're supposed to disclose it. And apparently this is a pretty endemic thing in the board game industry, whether it's large or small in terms of who's providing these reviews, that it's not always disclosed clearly. Um, I don't know actual offenders. I know a lot of the stuff that you or I watch are some of the bigger channels and yeah. they're pretty good at disclosing all of this stuff, but I don't think it's universal. And so – I was kind of curious your thoughts there about like, is this something that we should care about as consumers? Because we watch this stuff and we get hyped for games, but maybe we shouldn't be because they're getting paid to hype it. 
right? And maybe they're not always disclosing it. Well, and I can't say they all <clears throat> are being paid to hype them. Yeah, this is right? not a blanket statement. No. Um, and I definitely – with some of the other controversy that that was a few a few months back, um, and if you go back way in our archives, so one of the first, probably what the first three or four episodes, um, talk about destinies. I, yeah, yes, destinies. <laughs> That's the first episode. Yes, which is interesting because clearly that there might be something you know, smoke, there's fire, kind of thing. Um, and, um, you know, again, maybe, but I definitely gave into the bias, uh, of, of someone who gave a review of that. Uh, we played it twice and that game left my collection probably faster than any other game that I've ever owned. Um, and I've owned a lot of games. So, um, I, and again, it wasn't so. I guess open back then, but I think if I remember the article, it said that they really haven't touched the laws of the rules in 14 years or so, if I'm not mistaken. So with it becoming more of a, an epidemic, so to speak, uh, they've been adjusting and tweaking the rules so much. Um, and that's where I was usually to your point. I like to find people who, um, do not have bias. Yeah, whether they're giving it, um, you know, they're given the copy or they're sponsored. Um, like for example, this is a really good example. Uh, the Dice Tower just had a two-hour playthrough of Simon's new game, Mordred. They didn't give any opinions; they just played it, and that's the only video I think that Simon is using to promote the game on Kickstarter. But there's no content. There's no, do you like it? Do you not? Because it's a two hour. They want you to watch and pretend you're playing Just to learn, to see if right? you like it. Right. And I'm torn on yeah. it because I sort of, again, I'm looking at it. I'm looking hard at it. But can I sit for two hours <laughs> and, and watch people play a game that resembles blood rage in a lot of ways uh, on the surface? Now, granted, it might be different once you dig in, but it feels like the second coming of Blood Rage. And uh, I probably do not need another version of Blood Rage. Um, this kind of so, ties into the another portion of, like, try it before you buy it. I know there's a lot more digital options to try games now. Yeah. For example, some of the Kickstarters that I'm looking forward to that are coming up, a lot of them have TTS mods, and a lot of them... After launch, a lot of the popular games that are out there that are more simplistic in scope or not, you know, overly grandiose, although Arc Nova is on there, are ending up on things like Board Game Arena, where you can try it before you yeah. buy it. And I think that's starting to become more of a requirement for game designers anymore because of how saturated the market is, how copycat it is. But bringing that back to like our, our topic, I but think also there's a certain level of like, credibility that comes with doing things the way you just described where you're not providing an opinion you're just giving people yeah. a synopsis and the overview and a chance to feel the experience of playing it and i think i like that more than actual reviews at this point well honestly i think that's why rodney you know rodney sort of his original content is still so good yeah um because he doesn't give you opinion he doesn't tell you if he likes the game or not 
you can surmise that he probably maybe likes the game if he's spending hours putting together the videos, but maybe not. Maybe he's just trying to find the sweet spot of certain games that no one has any content on or no one has a specific walkthrough or rules video, you know, just so he's I know a lot of commission something. for him now. <clears throat> Probably. Because, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, they reach out to him to do the videos. Yeah, because it gets put in the rule book. Instead of reading, do you want to watch yep. Rodney? <clears throat> and who doesn't? Let's be honest. Our Lord and Savior, Rodney Smith. <laughs> yeah, right? Um. But, uh, yeah, I just thought this was an interesting topic with, with the amount of media out there and credibility today being also think about it too. You're going to get in addition, like how many times have we reached out to people looking for a prototype copy of something that we thought was going to be cool or we might be, you know, might hit our sweet spot, hit it, be in our wheelhouse. Uh, we've probably only got two or three. Right. Because there's only yep. X amount of copies that they can, you know, certain companies can't produce multiple prototypes. Also, things get damaged in the mail as they go from, again, <laughs> the Europe to, to United States to the East Coast of the United States back to the West Coast, back to Australia. Right. So it's kind of a, an older school sort of style. Um, that, uh, I don't know if, you know, with, with everything going digital, do you even bother to do that anymore? As opposed to just be like, oh, yeah, go, go, go play the game. Here it is. Here's the link. Tell us what you think kind of thing. Yeah. I think you, you always know? have to do a certain amount of it because of the physical copy is what people Agreed. are going to be buying. And so you want that. But yeah, I agree. Like, I think but that who's going to make 30 copies, to go, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then track them all across the world. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. It's starting to see less and less of a distribution, I think. And, Probably for good reasons. So, all right. I don't want to spend too much more time on it. I just thought that whole topic was interesting and kind of adjacent to the purchasing struggles that you and I oftentimes endure. Yeah. Um, because let's, let's be honest, we've gotten hyped up about things that just ended up not being that great. Destiny yeah, is flopped. a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, along with the New Year's resolution, I've been better at that. Um, yes, you know, man. as you'll hear later in, uh, in the podcast or the back bot section, I'm still doing pretty good. Um, right now there's only a very small list on my sort of want list. Ryan, you'll be even proud of me. I didn't buy Marvel champions when some of them were on sale with, uh, one of the mini market <laughs> campaigns. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was That's tough. usually an automatic for you. Yeah, it was tough, but uh, I, I had restraint. Um, you know, I was looking probably at a haven't couple even played half of what you have. <laughs> that, that's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. Um, uh, I don't blame you. So there's a lot. That's yeah. a big game. Cool, but well, I'm proud of you. I am. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of us. It's funny if you go back and listen since like episode one, what the difference is between now and then is we're becoming more selective connoisseurs of the hobby. It's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Play games. Let's jump in. Uh, I have a smaller list and I know you probably have a bigger list and we have one shared one that we're going to save for the end because it ties into today's topic, which is what makes a campaign game good and what do you look for in a campaign game? There are many out on the market. Uh, and we played one and we're going to talk about it later, but first let's cover what we played separately. So, well, 
Are you doing there separate one or I want to talk we, about? Because we have several that we've played together. We, yeah. Yeah. I think the one that I want to talk about is on the top of my list that you so we got play one, two. Of and enjoy. Uh, three. We have three besides the campaign one that we've played okay. together. So let's start with, uh, and I apologize for the background noise. My whole household is awake and God knows how <laughs> loud this is going to be. Let's start with that's not a hat. So I listened to <laughs> a couple board game podcasts myself and one of them recommended that's not a hat. It was, uh, Kellen from board game barrage, um, kind of described it as a little bit cockroach poker adjacent with some bluffing, but also a lot of memory. And so I thought, eh, cheap box, cheap card game, cheap box. Let's just do it. I think you said it was like 11 or 12 bucks. You picked it up for me when you were uh, venturing down to see family. And we finally got it to the table. Uh, you and I, a group of coworkers. And wow, I was not expecting much of a game out of that box, nor a whole lot of replayability. Um, it's reminded me of one of those games that like you play a few times and then the novelty wears off and you don't want it anymore. I don't think that's the case here. So, no, because all you, you need to do is introduce someone that wasn't there before. To see someone's reaction the first time a card or the second card that comes to them when stuff's been passed around the table, uh, it, it, you, your mind is blown. Uh, it's funny how fleeting your memory is, specifically in this game. I love it. Yeah. This game is fantastic so, for being one face-up card. It's crazy. <laughs> a face-up card, it looks like it was drawn by your eight-year-old. Yeah. Uh, a whole deck of those, actually. So the way the game works is everyone gets dealt a gift, just a single card face-up in front of you to start the game. And the more you have, the better this game is. You can play it with, I think, minimum of three, but it's really good beyond that. Yeah. Um. The first player who starts the round takes a card off the gift shop, which is the deck of cards face up, and they show that card to everyone, and then they flip that card over, and on the back of every single card, there is either an arrow pointing to the left or to the right, and they're supposed to pass that gift to that direction and tell the person, here, I'm giving you a, let's say it's a rubber duck. They take the rubber duck by saying thank you, or they can say, no, thank you, I don't want your gift, in which case they're calling you out and saying, no, that card's not a rubber duck. Sounds very simple, but the problem lies in after the game gets going and all the cards that have been passed or started the game face up are now flipped face down and new cards are uh, Getting into the making mix. their way around the table. Trying to remember what you have versus what other people have as things move and they don't always move in the same direction – quickly becomes almost impossible. We had multiple games where people would watch, you know, five, six other players take their turns. And when it finally got around to them and they passed their card, the next turn they took, they could not remember the card that they were given. It hasn't changed. <laughs> it hasn't you yeah. know, been stolen or modified or shuffled. It is a single card they were given and they forget what it is. You're so busy trying to track and remember what everyone else has so that if a card is passed to you, you're aware of what it is that you forget what you have. It is such a simple premise yet is absolutely hilarious. And I can't believe how much fun that game ended up being for 12 bucks. Yeah, that it was well worth the $11. That, that game is 
you know, like we've always had fun with some of these, you know, we talked about just one or, or cockroach poker. You know, I think we've talked about, um, you know, dealt skull or skull, these simple sort of, uh, I'll call it larger group games that are easy to teach. And you just like, really, this is what this is going to be. And then when you get going, it just completely blows your mind. And you're like, let's go. Let's play again. Um, now, what I love about it is, you know, passing a card that's face up <laughs> accidentally or, uh, you know, saying a card is, uh, you know, something from one of the previous rounds because people don't know because it, it's still in their head. Like, oh, I remember yeah. we talked about the yeah. bow tie. All right. Here's a bow tie. <laughs> We've done it hasn't that so been, many times. Yeah. It's so good. I just, I yeah. love it. And the strategy so that was a pretty simple, but it's, but it's good. Yep. That was a great purchase. Uh, I'm glad I picked that one up and, uh, props to board game barrage and Kellen for reviewing that one. That was a, a good call and a very fun, simple card game cheap, but you're going to get a lot of mileage out of that. So, um, what's the second one you had that we played together? So this is one that we played with the wives. And then we also played it with, um, the fa- our family in Maryland, and that is the Illiterati, which yes. is a co-op word game. So we talked that. about this a little bit before, but did we? I'm, I'm curious to hear. We did, but I want to hear your experience with the the group that you played with without us. I know your wife dug it by the end, and yeah. enough that she asked you to have me give it to you to take down, <laughs> which was yes. surprising. But I'm curious to hear how it went. Yeah, so again, when you first start teaching it, it can be a little overwhelming, right? Like, really? What does that mean? And then once you figure it out, it just becomes a mad scramble to move letters and grab letters and make words. And um the beauty is sometimes some of the words that get made, even though they're not trying to part of your book, you know, your book goal, um, but just to get something made. Um but it was a a pretty positive response um, from our family. And again, us playing it a second time, uh, we enjoyed it a lot. Um, it um, It's funny. Once you have yours done, then you can go around and help other people. So I sort of like that aspect of it. Um, and then moving, you know, certain specific letters around that are like someone needs purple. So you have, you have it in, in green or whatever. So you give them your purple, take their green, you know, to help everybody out. Um, but, um, and I guess it's uh, that one thing I will say though, to your point, I think when we talked about it was it really is the luck of those bad guys versus the book, right? The the books you're trying to bind because yeah. sometimes it feels super easy and other times it feels like, you know, you're pushing a giant boulder up a mountain. You're never going to do it. Yeah. There's, there's moments in that game where. You know, you're trying really hard just to f- tread water with the letters that are out there. You get stuck with some X's or Q's and not a whole lot of U's or whatever. And you just have to like shuttle that stuff to the side. But it's so hard when you have that problem facing you all the time to use what's left to go get those categories done. There's just this constant balance. And I've found approaching that game as a group 
spelling words first and then seeing what you can pull out later for your books is probably more appropriate to play as than the opposite because you end up scrambling at the end and you're like, well, shit, now there's five letters left and we got to burn. And you can only burn four and the game's over. So it in that timer, <laughs> those three minutes, you start to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> Happens faster And then than burning the letter means you don't get to bind books. So – like that clock just keeps ticking. They did a fantastic job with the pressure and the boss things. And it's just a really, really <clears throat> solid co-op. I was glad to hear yeah. the group liked it too. I wasn't yeah. sure. I was you never know how those games. It. Yeah. You never know how those word games or spelling games are going to go over. Cause you get people who just, I'm a bad speller. And it's like, well, just try it. I think you can spell the a whole bunch yeah. of times and we'll be fine. And before you know it, they're they're spelling eight letter words while you're sitting there trying to figure out how to get a, a social media or tech company with five <laughs> letters. So yeah, that was game. the one thing. Glad it was. <clears throat> I'll say there should have been more for it being a Kickstarter. I would have thought there would have been more, um, more cards, right? Like you know categories. Yeah, because um, yeah. I did the see price point th- was low. I think yeah, true, right. but again, do a social goal or maybe they did, but um, but it was just like I could see I, I've seen a lot of replication, you know what I mean, in a very short amount of time. Um, yep, that would be yeah. my only. And I think you know, the I, I agree completely, and I think there's definitely room for expansions. I would not be surprised to see card sets come out. You could even do like themed card sets for that game if you really wanted to. Yeah, um, that could be cool. But yeah, I, I think the game, the base game, is absolutely solid, and it definitely could stand for some more variety in the cards and maybe even the villains too. Although the villains, you might have to just like randomize the set that you play with, so you can still draw yeah. doubles because that's when it gets really punitive. But yeah, I, I agree. Could use more of a good thing always. Yeah, never. Uh, what's the th- what's the third one? Is it dealt? No, it's another co-op. Ooh, okay. It is uh, Walt Disney's Animated. You don't remember playing Animated? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Okay. I remember now. (laughs) I do. It was late. It was late. I remember. (laughs) So this is the new one from Funko Games. I think I mentioned on the last podcast or the podcast prior uh, that I just, you know, it just happened to hit my radar. Um and basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to thwart uh, the Disney villains that correspond to your film while trying to finish your your animated short or your animated movie while also working with your fellow animators to um, you know w- you know try to do make your turn very full but then also not block someone else's turn um, because it is a shared action pool, uh, sort of think Arc Nova. Um, you know, if you remember the arc, you know, the, 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 the action selection in Arc Nova, it's very similar, but yep. it's everyone uses the same, um, selection, uh, and the same action track. You don't have your own individual. So that's a little bit of a twist. And yeah, I th- uh, think we would have, I, I thought beaten it. I think we were doing I thought really it well. Was- pretty simplistic but also interesting and i like the 
the components of that game were neat. Like it's just a really yeah. cool Disney themed game. Um, I don't know for me, like it's one of those like gateway co-op games, I think. Like it does, yeah, I, I think I don't think it has like crazy depth, but it's definitely something you can sit down and play and it isn't like a brain burner from a cooperative standpoint. Yeah, I think it's trying to it, it, I think it feels like a gap in in family weight games from a co-op standpoint because I don't think there's a lot of good co-ops for families. Um that uh you know, even a household that doesn't have a lot of doesn't appreciate take that you know, as a mechanism or even strong competition. Um, I think this, this game fits that, you know, that, that, that style of, of, of family with enough, you know, you know, they're not hard choices, but they're worth the conversation and the discussion and to, you know, elicit sort of creative thinking and strategic thinking out of young, young minds. Yep, I think there's definitely that fun approachability being a Disney product, but there's enough of a game there to still interest us in playing it. So, good one. Uh, all right, I'll quick run down the few that I played without you, and then you can do okay. the same, and then we'll jump into our last shared one. So, played Nidavellir again with Idaval with my son. Uh, <coughs> game, but dad's still the champ. Still think we got to play that in our group with the expansion. It's really, really good. Uh, we also played Delt, which I mentioned. We've talked about that before. I got some mind bug in with another uh, one of my friends, Kirby, who beat me in a best of three. So if he's listening next time, you bitch, I'll get you next time. <laughs> uh, and then I also got to try on a vacation with friends as well, uh, Medium, which is a, a fairly well-known party game. I picked up on sale at Target almost a year, year and a half ago. I think it was last summer. And we never got to play it. Very cool game. Um, we had a lot of fun with that too, similar to that's not a hat in terms of just laughing and big moments where people were cheering or laughing at each other. Um, and the premise is that you draw, you have a hand of cards and you each play a card at the same time and they each have one word on them. So let's say I play the card, you know, the word, uh, tiger and you play the word, um, toucan. And then we need to think of a word that we both say as we count down to three at the same time, and that word has to be the same word, and we get points. If it would, if it's not, and we miss, we both say a different word, uh, you can go again, but this time you don't use the card, the words on the cards, you use the words that you just said as a way to relate something. And you're not allowed to use the, car, the words on the cards, you can only use the words that you say. This process goes through three rounds, if you don't get it, you don't get any points. Um, it was a lot of fun trying to, you know, you figure like husband and wife would be on the same, same wavelength with like, you know, two words and coming up with no, not at all. It was like random people would just connect on random things sometimes. And it was just like these big people cheering moments when someone finally got it. Cause it was just so hard. So I thought that was a really interesting party game. I would definitely play it again. Um, I think it's better with larger groups because you're always teaming up with the person to your left. And so, the more people you have, the more variety of, of folks you get to team up with, and you can switch seats, so it's always a little different every time you play. Um, but yeah, that was medium. It was a, a pretty good party game, and I'd highly recommend uh, we try that at some point, too, because it's it's pretty fun. Nice. Yeah, the, right, what do you I, got? I unfortunately was not able to snag that when it hit clearance. I think it was like late Q3 
of last year. I, I, I had one hidden and it disappeared. <laughs> so it was on my list. Yeah, um, it's a good one. So do you have anything other than that and the one we need to do together? Cause then I'll, I'll bounce through a whole bunch here. Uh, that's it. Okay. Firewood. So, so some games I've talked about or we've talked about in the past were Colorado. So we got some of that, uh, got that to the table again. Uh, Ryan mentioned Delt. We got to play Delt, uh, not only with our game group introduced it for the first time, but, uh, got to play it while on vacation as well. Uh, played Alien Artifacts, which, um, I believe I mentioned a few podcasts ago. Um, it's, uh, sort of an engine or a tableau building, uh, game, uh, where you're, the, everything keeps going up in cost. So you're trying to mitigate the costs with other cards while not making that cost go too high. So it's got some economics, but, um, it's a fun little four X card game. If you remember Ryan, it was like the huge hit or the first big hit at PAX, the first PAX, where they had that big tower of those games. Um, yeah, I remember. Um, but not a lot of people dug it, though. That was the interesting part. But there's really a good game there, to the point where we talked about trying to find the expansions, since it's such an older game. Um, we got to play a new version of Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Uh, this one has uh, Moose and... So it's got three, you know, the different wild cards, right? Instead of, uh, what is it? The panda, the sloth, and the, I'm really bad at that. The narwhal, the panda. I forget the, the woodchuck. The regular game is a <laughs> gorilla, a woodchuck, and a narwhal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this has, has three different animals and they do different things. So it plays the same way. Just now there's, instead of those three originals, um, there's, there's new animals. And I apologize that I can only remember. Uh, the one of them um, got to play trails for the first time. Uh, again, trails is the, I guess, sort of entry level or like the, the, the jaws of the lion version of uh, parks. I don't know if you've ever played trails, um, but playing with yeah, a four play I had it and I got rid of okay. it. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of where I was at with it. It was, uh, oddly, if you, if you play parks, trails almost messes with you more than you, you'll start to forget how to win and how to play parks because trails yeah, does things different. so differently. And with a higher player count, you're starting on opposite ends of the trail. So, but yet there's only rewards at one side of the trail head. So it, uh, it was a little interesting for me. Um, but, you know, it was an okay, you know, hour that we played it. Not a, you know, not bad. Got some more Doomlings to the table. Um, nice. With a, with a large group. So there was five of us playing Doomlings. So that was a big, a big, uh, big hit. Um, was able to finally sit down. Uh, and play with, uh, you know, the family we went with to visit. Uh, they're the, the group that I usually play the crew, uh, with the, the, the space mission with that we got to level 51 or mission 51, 52. 
Well, we breathed, we busted out the deep sea version of crew and it is such a better game uh, and really? more, more difficult. Um, so the mission deck is there's values on the backs of the cards and depending on where you're at in the story, it's looking for specific values. It gives you a value of how many missions you need to do. And it gets, and these are, I mean, the stack was huge for, for what it is. Um, so every mission felt like a, like a real, real tough one. Um, so added, so we didn't get very far. I think we got to like maybe mission six or seven, if that, um, just because of how complicated some of these missions were to try to pull off. Um, so I think it improved upon itself and made of a much more, um, strategically, um, crunchier version of itself, which is fun. Uh, we played another game, uh, again, simple card game, uh, might be trying to pick it up myself. It's called Linko. And what this is, is I'm trying to figure out how to explain it as quickly as I can, but basically you're trying to shed cards and the amount of cards you have in front of you, each card, each ver, each amount is worth one. So if you lay down three cards, three fives, it's still three points. Or if you lay three kings, it's throw three points. But what's interesting is the person who plays after you and as it goes around, if they play a higher of the same amount, so let's say you throw three fives and they play three sevens, they have to steal your fives. Now, you can, uh, you can choose to, uh, draw them. You know, there's options of drawing them back or discarding them. And, uh, if you, regardless, the, the person that gets stolen gets new cards anyway, but, um, and it keeps going around and around and you can keep adding. So sometimes you can only play one card or sometimes you want to play four cards or five cards. And you, you sometimes want to steal cards that you have extra in your hands. So you can put a larger number down. So, uh, when I believe it's the first person goes out, the game ends and then you count up all the cards in front of you. Um, and whoever has the most cards in front of it, you wins. Um, but this was a real interesting game. I've never played anything quite like it. With the stealing yeah, mechanism. Yeah, I've heard too many like that. And, um, you know, strategically knowing when to play what, knowing that it's a low amount or waiting till someone goes first because you have like, let's say you have two ones and someone throws four down and then you could throw four twos, take those ones. Now you have six ones on the next go round. So like you're building your, you know, you're building your hand while still trying to secure your points in front of you. So it's, you know, in, in, you know, playing for the next turn. Um, so it was pretty interesting. Again, very small box card game. Um, glad we got to try it. Um, cause it's definitely cool. making the list for sort of the next. I'm interested. One of the next things to try. Um, and my last one, uh, also is one of the games on my bot list. Very rarely do I get to play a game that I purchased right away, but uh, glad we could do this. And this is by the from the master himself, Phil Walker Harding, and is a game called My Shelfie. I believe it was on our or one of our lists. 
Both going into lists. Gen Con last year. Was it Gen Con last year or Essen last year? Yeah, I think so. One of them. I think so. <clears throat> well, um, it, I think it just recently came to retail. Um, cause it was on the new release wall. And I was like, oh man. Uh, and they were, de- they, they actually had it on one of their demo tables in Maryland. Um, so basically, and I think we, I've talked about it before where it's almost like a car lot. You know, when you go into the game store, someone will greet you. They might show you something on the table. You might play a quick, quick round with somebody. And I think they get maybe a little bit of a commission if you purchase the game after getting a demo because they ask you at the counter. Um, that's good. So it was neat to see it out with the sort of connect forward puzzle, you know, the, 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 the grids up. And I was like, ah, all right, let's do it. So I treated myself and bought my shelfie. We got it to the table and it is actually much harder than you can imagine. Um, <laughs> because what you have, so there's common, there's, there's, there's a uh, general goals for everybody, right? And if you accomplish them, uh, it goes down in point value. So whoever accomplishes them first gets the most points. And then, you know, as it goes down, you know, the points get less and less. But what's interesting is the mechanism in which you draft the tiles. So you can draft one, two, or three tiles. Now they all have to be, have sort of a naked side, meaning they, they need to be adjacent with each other, but also can't be buried by other things. So they have to be open on one side. For you in order to take them. So sometimes you might only be able to take two tiles or uh, you can only take one sometimes, or sometimes it's strategically you only want to take one tile because of what I'm about to explain is then once however many tiles you take, you must place them in a single column. You can't go uh, horizontal. So like row uh, column one, column two, column three, if you drew three tiles, you have to put them all in one, all in two and all in three in any order. However, they all have to go in the same column. And some of the gener- general or more generic goals are trying to get X amount in a row. And depending how many you can get in a row, looping around or adjacent, you get more points. So for a simple presentation that looks gorgeous, um, it was really crunchy when you were deciding. Yeah, it sounds on, pretty, pretty deep. Um, how to, how to draft those tiles to fill your connect four board. We need to get this one here because I want to try this one really bad. Um, it was <laughs> on my list, and it's a PWH classic, I'm sure. So it's yeah. definitely on my list. We got to play it. So that, my friend, is my playlist. All right. So that brings us to our last game played that we played together last game night. Uh, I'm I'm sitting next to it right now. All the beautiful artwork, and that is Lands of Galzir which we had a pretty good time playing last time, just learning it, so it took us a little while, and there's admittedly a ton of reading in the game, although it's kind of fun anyway, uh, to get all that story, because that's a big part of the experience. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about the game? I think you said it was a, a game-found project. Yes. Maybe just tell us, like, who, not only about the game, but, like, sort of the universe, because that's kind of the one of the cool things about this game is it's it relates to some other titles we've talked about. Yeah, so Lands of Galzier is a, a story-based campaign game set in the world-slash-universe of the Dales of Merchant, uh, which, if you're not, you're not familiar or you're unfamiliar, is 
a very unique deck building game uh, with anthropomorphic critters uh, where you're stacking. <laughs> I was waiting for you to to get there. Was I gonna Was I gonna mess up anthropomorphic? <laughs> No, I just wanted you to note that your continue, this continued obsession with anthropomorphic animals is very important to our gaming experience. 100%. And to be honest, it's kind of influenced me, too, so now I'm in the same boat. Fit to prints coming like, soon? Furries are the next step. Yeah, next we're going to yeah. get costumes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, and, and so in Dales of Merchants, you're building these uh, – I think it goes up to, what, seven, right? One to seven uh, piles of goods um, and that's, that's, yep. that's how you win. Um, which is a, a very unique spin. But what's amazing about this, um, you know, this game is the art and, and these critters are so neat. Uh, they're both whimsical and they're funny, but yet they're really cool looking. Um, so Dales of Merchants, I believe had three standalone uh, sets or core sets and then uh, came out with a big box that brought all three sets together plus new uh, animals. So I believe you had the first uh, set, introduced it to I me. Did. I've always wanted to play the game, but for whatever reason, never pulled the trigger on Kickstarter. And then after I played it and saw the what were the factions, the parrots and the pandas, I was like, I need to own this. So uh, I basically have everything, including the beavers, for <laughs> the Dales of Merchants. And what is it like, industrious beavers or something? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I can't remember the name. Of it. It's, it's very ridiculous. funny. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so then you know, designer of of Dales of Merchants. Um, he, he morphed this sort of universe, uh, into a big, uh, story driven campaign game. And, um, it has the anthropomorphic whims and, and coolness of the Dale games and brought into this, uh, campaign, a sort of RPG. And the art is very similar. And the characters are very similar. So I think the four starting characters are a uh, polecat, a frilled lizard, a kingfisher, uh, and what am I forgetting? The fourth one. Um, is it a newt? I think it's like a little green newt, right? It's, it's a northern banded newt. Yeah. <laughs> I got there. I got there. <laughs> um, you got it. And it has a really unique uh, skill check system. Um, all, again, just before we go too far, uh, it is a app-driven game, um, which so far has been pretty easy to use. Uh, most apps can be somewhat annoying, um, but this seems to be done really, really well. It's not. Um, yeah. It's not like a fancy app. It, it's just like a HTML-driven. Uh, app, um, you know, simple, simple language. Um, there is a lot of reading in this, but it really is sort of setting the stage and setting the, uh, the tone for this universe that you're in. Um, the board's pretty big, lots of locations. Um, 
it's both what co-op. So you can decide to do a co-op mission or a competitive yeah. mission, but it, it's a weird mix. Yeah, but it always does sort of still have some cooperative sort of quests and, and experiences um, with your fellow adventurers. And we got through what the first, you know, stab at a competitive game, which I think Ryan, you can mix yep. it up. So like one time you can go co-op, one time you can go competitive. You can keep changing it um, because there's only those two cards uh, are the two outcomes of the, the versions. So, um, interesting. I, I, so we could mix it up. We probably should try competitive. Yeah. I mean, or co- cooperative yeah. just to see the difference maybe when we play, uh, you know, later this week, but yeah, uh, the app for the game totally reminds me of forgotten waters in terms of like basic presentation, but just full of stuff. Yeah. Although that has narration and this doesn't, this is, that's the one thing I can say about this app. I wish they had narration cause it would make this a little bit better. Yeah, it would be but, cool. Uh, the app is good. The music's good. I like the music, even though we turned it off to listen to somebody whining about cats or something. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, Avenge Sevenfold. That's it. Sorry. More, uh, more, more. <laughs> yeah. So, we got through that one competitive scenario, uh-huh. and uh, I was definitely surprised at – some of the stuff I read about this game is that it's not much of a game. Like, it's more <laughs> of a story, yeah. and, you're, and you're going through the story, and, like, the skill checks are there, but there isn't a whole lot. I do kind of like the, you know, the um, – the skill system where you're able to sort of continue to grow your character out a little bit and allocate where you want to specialize. So you kind of increase your chances of success, but I think it's those opportunities are few and far between that being said, like we've played once, I'm definitely interested in playing this more and I think we're going to try to finish it. Right. Like, or at least as get, long as we don't get, get more. I mean, yeah. but to your point, it is, it is more of an experience. I'll call it right. It's, um, yep. Um, just like Forgotten Waters. Yeah. Um, the game is secondary to the story. Um, it's not complicated m- mechanics, complicated uh, turns, complicated actions. It's pretty basic. It's move if you want and then interact. Read, pass a couple tests, pass the turn, right? It's a very simple uh, style of game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, and Forgotten Waters does almost the same thing, but with a die and, and maybe you put your characters, you know, standy yeah. on the spot in the book of the action you're taking. Like it's, it's such a, it's a different way of doing it, but they're almost the same thing, but you know what you're getting into with these types of games. It's, it's not as open worldy ambitious as say something like sleeping gods, which I've talked about before it just fell totally flat for me. Yeah. Um, there's more of a structured narrative story in place here that you get to over time. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where that goes because the world is interesting so far. Like one of the things I think that I really look for in these games, and there's enough of them that I've played at this point that the gameplay, you know, is not going to be in crazy depth or something that really engine buildy or deck buildy type um, brain burners. 
So the story really needs to engross you. And I think this game has that so far, which I'm really happy to see. Yeah. Plus I think it's giving you a nice mix of altering your characters, whether it's through gear or an attribute or a companion. I think it's keeping you engaged that way with your choices, um, which I think is fascinating. Um, It's actually intriguing that time track that um, if you were to end uh, the game uh, with, uh, you know, with a companion or with something on a time track, it resets for the next time, which I think is kind of cool. Yep. Um, So that's kind of a neat, uh, you know, you don't, you know, it's like a, it's like a small touch that just really goes a long way. Cause like, you just got this guy and you're like, oh, this character's awesome. And then you're like, oh, I have to lose it. Oh, wait, no, you don't. You know, it's kind of cool. So it, it was nice that the yeah. designers took that into consideration. Yeah. And I really like the companion system so far, like having characters with you that aren't just like this character gives you plus one attack. This character lets you roll an extra die. It's like there's actual story associated with them and they drive you towards like your choice of objectives, yeah. which I thought was a, a nice touch. Like, yeah, they give you some benefits on the skill checks, but they're actually relevant to what you're doing. Like, for example, I was the, uh, the Kingfisher and I had another bird with me. I can't remember the character's name cause it's been two weeks, but, <laughs> uh, they basically, you know, are part of some like resistance or something. And, and so they, you know, were helping me out landing in this new place. And um, I kind of had people chasing me. They helped me escape and got me into this place where I'm sort of helping out overthrow some, something. I don't know what yet. Cause we didn't get deep enough, but it was interesting. Like it was in the character that I had helped drive some of that, which I thought was really cool. So yeah. And I befriended um, a Cayman in the bathhouse. So that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who did he buy? <laughs> so, Uh, but yes i am i'm again you you had me an anthropomorphic right and now the story is just um you know sort of keeping me engaged um i mean i know it is tough to pass the book around and talk you know and then try to stay you know our attention spans Eh. are horrible but um yeah but I, I think this is one of those titles where just like all the other ones in the same ilk, you get what you put in. Yeah. Like you, you want to be invested in it when you play it. If you're just going through the motions, don't even bother playing it. Yeah. This a hundred percent is, is that is one of those games. Yeah. But I, I think we have to do a better job next time of listening to each other's stuff. Yeah. But the other thing I'm curious about is, does it impact each other in any way, right? We haven't seen that yet, but I'm curious. Well, I think because we are using a four-player game, we're so far spread out. But now we get to pick where we start yeah. this next go-round. It tells you where to start the first time, oh, okay. but now we get to pick where we start. Because that's like the new first, like part of the first like opening turn is, you know, go to a spot on the map. And then you get to go from there. So... You can pick somewhere new where you haven't been because, again, you don't get a lot of uh, – what is it? Five five rounds, right, is how long this takes. Yep. And Yeah, it's pretty short. You really can't sort of see all the sights and get to everywhere, you know? So um, I think that's why, you know, they, they end so quick because, you know, they keep you – know, so you can reset 
and then take another chunk of the map. Um, because if you think about it, it would take me two rounds just to get to where my, my personal goal was heading and no one was there. So it was a waste yeah. of time. But now I could potentially persuade someone to start there with me. We can, you know, then you can go somewhere else, right? Or I can help somebody out after. So I sort of like yeah. that aspect of this, the starting of the new round. It's kind of neat. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting that you can, a lot of these things have like side quests where you don't have to follow the main storyline. And this one felt like depending on, you, you kind of don't know where you're going at the beginning other than your main quest. And so like exploring is fun and you get to do a little bit of that. Most of them result in skill checks, and then there's potential like items you get or cards you get that could help you with your main quest. You just don't know quite how or what would facilitate that because you don't know what you're testing for. So I'm curious if the game gets a little bit more prescriptive or descriptive about what you should be looking for maybe in your side quests to help you with your main quests, and are there you know branches to that main quest? I don't know. So I think there's a lot there to explore. I'm interested in seeing where this goes. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm ready for a good narrative game like this. So I'm glad we picked this one to start. No, absolutely. And then the one thing also too is it's not just the board that has the the, the interactions in the different areas. Yeah. Um, some cards you'll pick up, like you know you'll have definitely quest and event cards, but then you might have an, a, a companion who has a quest that they come equipped with. So you sort of traverse down their world and help your friend that you just acquired. Um, yep. So I kind of like that. Or maybe there's an item that has a quest on it, right? You know, some sort of mythical, you know, artifact or something. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes. Cause you can pick and choose what story you want to keep evolving or, or keep, you know, going down. So I like that. Yeah. Lots of choices regarding um, the story. The other thing, like, there's a, a pretty good amount of cards. I feel like we have a we barely scratched this, so <laughs> yeah. there seems to be quite a lot of game in front of us, and which is a good thing. Well, if you think about it too, it's like when it's uh, if card four is taken, randomize one of one fifty, and like there's uh, yeah. <laughs> there's like sixty one fifties. So there's a lot of replayability and a lot of depth here. I think um, just on the cards alone. Yep. All right. Well, that is a good synopsis of the game. Uh, let's dive into the topic. And we, we don't have to spend terribly long on this because it's kind of been discussed ad nauseum. So I want to focus more on like us and yeah. what the, the question is basically, what makes a campaign game good to you? And what do you look for in a campaign game? Because this really is a campaign game at, at heart. Yeah. And we both have plenty of those in our collection. We have played several already, you know, over the years, um, for ranging from stuff that's four or five games long to multiple years, aka Gloomhaven and Frosthaven type stuff. Um, what, so I guess to start and narrow down, what do you look for in a campaign game now versus maybe when you started in this hobby and just picked up the first dungeon crawler you saw? Well, if you think about it, our, both of us, correct me if I'm wrong, started our campaign, uh, I guess I'll call it our affinity or our love of campaign games with Hero Quest. And yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Many years ago. And, 
the beauty about Hero Quest was, um, <laughs> well, it had a couple things going for it, right? Number one, um, it was there was nothing on the market quite like it. It sort of set the bar for like the next five years when it came to mass market co-op, you know, sort of action adventure dungeon crawl games. There were several games that had come out afterwards, right? Um, Dark World, Dragon Strike. Um, I'm trying to think what, what am I forgetting? I thought there was like two or three others, but, um, but what Hero Quest also had was simple mechanics. And I think this is the key is an engaging story where like you, it gave you a little bit of a, a preface on your quest of what you were trying to accomplish, but then you were, you know, it was up to you. Do you go down this corridor? Do you open this door? Do you check this thing without a trap? Do you fight these monsters? Like then you just were off. And again, it was very simple. Um, so fast forward to, today right modern day it still has to have those core sort of pieces those core elements um again simple mechanics engaging story um and what was the third one i had three for hero quest (laughs) um you know, Anthrop- anthropomorphic animals. <laughs> that's like the that's like an asterisk <laughs> when it comes to my, uh, <laughs> you know, my reasons. But um, but yeah, so um, so I think that's that's important. Um, and I think where we've had games fall down, uh, they weren't they they didn't meet some of that criteria, right? Yeah. Um, before we start looking at you, Destiny. Well, I'm looking at you, Sleeping Gods, right? So we've both have that too. You know, yeah. <laughs> we've had we've had very similar experiences um, with with specific games. Um, and um, did you have any more to add to what you look for before we start poking at other games? Because I think that's where this can yeah. go down pretty quickly. Um, I think I so a couple of the points you you had are. are key like narratives a really big one i think good you know good engaging yet simplistic mechanics like not too complicated the other ones that i put down were progression like when i play a campaign game i want to feel progression where yeah. it's narrative progression character progression maybe all of the above but there's very much a sense of i'm building something here outside of the story itself i'm making a memorable character or making a memorable build or whatever that is um, and I think another one for me is, well, let's just touch oh, on progression, right? That's where, <laughs> again, our love of Diablo and Diablo two come in, right? Like the more you yeah, play the Diablo, games, really. the more progression World you're Warcraft. seeing. Yeah. Wow. You know, you have to feel that way in a board game. I a hundred percent agree. Now, granted, you're not swapping yeah. armor unless you're playing Oswarm. Right. <laughs> but, um, that's coming soon. But, uh, <laughs> which again, we're halfway, we're halfway through the year, over halfway. And I'm not going to hit that New Year's resolution unless we make it an effort. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'll, I'll, we'll try. Swing back. So, um, yeah, keep going. The other one was, you know, well, I have two more, but one is, uh, competition. So we play a lot of uh, – most campaign games, I would say, for the most part, that I've played are cooperative, right? But a lot of the really good ones have some semblance of, of competitiveness in their 
you know, micro objectives or maybe the actual campaign game itself is designed to be competitive a la like Scythe Rise of Fenris. Um, but I'm thinking like Gloomhaven where you have your hidden battle objectives or whatever yeah, for sure, that scenario, right? I wouldn't consider Gloomhaven competitive. You can s- no, but there, there's like you might be competing to kill the first monster, and no one else knows it but you. Like little things like that that drive you towards goals that maybe sit outside of the pure cooperative gameplay that you would otherwise look to to do. Yeah, it also helps push people away a little bit from quarterbacking because it's a hidden objective, and so you need to do this to get that check mark. That's really important to helping you become more powerful, but you don't want people to realize that. I, I think there's yeah. games that some campaign games that do that really well and others that don't do it at all. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that they don't, but I personally like that element in my campaign games. I like a little bit of that either hidden objectives. It's kind of working against the group or just straight up competitive <laughs> campaign games. A la Arcadia which quest, which has both, right? Like, Yes, First to kill the absolutely. Minotaur, you get it's that Uber weapon. Uh, you know, there's the PvP aspects, which not only are you stalling them, but you're harvesting them for gold, you know, that you can yes. buy more equipment at the end of that round. So uh, I think Arcadia Quest does some of that probably the best, you know, the the, the PvP and PvE yeah, I think blend. So. Um, and, and progression, yeah. right? Itemization is a big thing. And, Dude, your characters yep. are amazing by the time you're ready to fight that final Pimped boss. Out. Yes. Like, I love it. Um, I had to fight the urge to buy one of the dragons was on sale at mini market <laughs> for $5. And I was like, don't do it. You don't play much anymore, but God damn, I want it. I think it was a poison dragon. I don't have that one. I have this, the, sh- the chaos and the ice. So I got to get that. Uh, the third one for me was scope. So let's be honest. There are campaign games that you can play in a week or a couple weeks, and then there's campaign games that take you years. Yeah. I am starting to learn the <laughs> realistic view of my time and desire to devote a year or two of my life to a single game with a single group of people. It is just hard to do. First of all, logistically, it's hard to do. Secondly, we own so many titles. We have other campaign games that it, I find it sort of hard to justify and i i'm saying this after backing you know frost haven yeah. and everything with it but the scope now matters to me i don't want something that's so big that it the idea of starting it is just overwhelming first of all secondly it's so big in scope that it is a very large and component filled game and therefore uh unboxing and reboxing also becomes prohibitive because we do use this table for other things or other games, I should say. It's, I don't have like a recessed one to put a topper on or anything, although that'll come someday. <laughs> so I think that's another big thing I look for now that I didn't look for before is, is this digestible for me or the group that I'm playing with? And that's pretty important. So yeah. I those wish, are the things. I wish I got to that sooner, but I'm with you. Um, <laughs> I, I think we both arrived there kind of at the same time, despite you. You probably started down this collection road with campaign-typed games before me. Yeah. We both kind of realized, like, we're in that part, especially for us, you know, with kids and middle-aged men with, you know, two children. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know how that goes, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, we can barely do it. We can barely crank out a podcast. 
<laughs> let alone a hundred hours exactly of, right. of Gloomhaven. <laughs> yeah, but like but, we, I know we both would totally love to get into it and oh, play 100%, it with either 100%. each other or a group or yeah. whatever. But it's like the scope now it kind of dictates whether or not I'm going to make that purchase because I realistically know whether or not it can be done. So, yeah, and um, and once you you know and. <laughs> Maybe this influences it maybe more than it needs to, but once you have such a collection, I feel like where I've been on this journey for 2023 is like, you really have to do something special or do something unique to make it to the shelf, you know? Um, and quite frankly, campaign games are already at the back of the line, you know, because of scope alone, yeah. you know, but yep. I'm not saying I won't do another one, but. I'm just saying it's going to take a lot to pull that trigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, like I don't, I don't look for them anymore. Even if there are innovations happening, yeah, I'm not actively shopping for that experience right now because I have so many that I have to get through. You have some that we have to get through. It's like, it just isn't enough time. And we, you know, yeah. it's not like these games are going away forever. We can come back to it. You know, I, I was going to back Dead Reckoning and I, I bailed. I was going to back Arcs and I bailed. These are all things that we just, you know, we talked about before. We're not going to have time to do. Yeah. I want them. I want them very badly. I want to play them very badly, both of them, but it isn't happening. It ain't happening. There we go. It ain't happening. Um, all right. I just wanted to. Kind of talk about that a little bit because I think as gamers go through the inevitable cycle most of us go through with this hobby where you <laughs> well, it's jump like- in with both feet, <laughs> wallet wide open, money spewing out of it at every title that comes your way with beautiful art or a cool theme, eventually you learn that that's not really going to make the game great for you. And some of those core tenets of a good campaign game are what you should look for. And I just wanted to kind of give folks our view on the things that make them good. And I, th- I think we got a good list out of that. No, I, I agree. And again, I think, you know, as we talked about Lanza Galzier, um, again, you've got an engaging story quick to pick up and put down, you know, scope yeah. is not the scope here. doesn't feel too oh, yes, crazy. Exactly. Um, exactly. But also it does stuff that's sort of unique, right? Like, yes, you always yeah, do skill checks, novel but, stuff but how there. you, how you do them and doing them as a kingfisher or a frill lizard is pretty amazing. So if you can really, you know, <laughs> you know, get behind your character and, and sort of role play it a bit. Um, again, you, you get what you get, you know, you, you, you know, you get what you put into it kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, these games very much function as a yeah. as a, a device for you to role play and or jump into a story with both feet and and really enjoy it. And I think the universe and stuff that this is set in helps because we're a little familiar and the art's great. So far, so good. I might hate this by the end because that lack of game makes it uninteresting. Yeah, it's a little tough, but but who knows? You might it time, might be like, more stuff down the road. It might get more difficult or more harder. I don't know. Exactly. Like, we don't know what's going to happen yet. And that's one of the things with these games is you, when you commit, you commit. You got to see it through. For the most part, there's very few campaign games where I've jumped in and just bailed because I'm like, this sucks so bad. I can't do it. So I, I'm excited to keep going with this and we'll get some more progress in this week and report back for the next episode and see what we think. We'll probably uh, just keep keep plugging it as we go here. Well, and just right. one other little plug staying on this campaign style. Um, you know, again, 
a game within scope, a game that has unique and an amazing epic story, um, but also has a nice pure co-op where if you try, if you do have younger children or you do have children that you're trying to sort of connect with and bring into the board gaming space, uh, stuff fables, uh, is such a, an amazing, uh, campaign game, you know, where it's, you know, stories and unpawned story, you know, it's got a really cool arc to the, to the plot. Um, so it's a game that I've played with my son several times. Um, got to get it back to the table, but, um, he definitely was engaged for quite a bit there in it. So just a quick plug on that one. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap up this episode with some backed and bought. Now we, uh, We've been behaving for a while, but I think I let it slip a little bit this month. Uh, I know you, you grabbed some purchases, but no, I, I kept the uh, overall uh, cost overhead down here, so I'm proud of that. So we talked about that's not a hat earlier. You picked that up for me. That was one of my back or bots. Um, I did just back Hamlet had an expansion come out. Oh, did you? Get, I was, I was I wondering if you were going to get it. I ha- well, I haven't even played Hamlet yet, so talk about backlog. Uh, but what I did was the Hamlet ship with the smallest game parts I've ever seen in my life, like way too small. You can barely see them and make out what they are half the time when you know, you're old and blind <laughs> like me. Uh, so they are doing a reprint of all the components for the game with some fixes and some other things. And all you have to do is pay for the shipping. They're giving you all those components for free. So I back that part oh. so I can replace the old components of the game. It was like seven bucks shipped or eight bucks shipped. It's it's a good deal. So mm-hmm. I'm doing that and nothing else for that campaign. Not buying the expansion until I've actually played the game. And I don't even know if I'm going to like it yet. So we'll see. <laughs> um, so that was Hamlet. And then that's it for backed and bought. Uh, but Ice is on its way and will be here Friday. So I'm super excited to get that box in and check that game out. I've been looking forward to that for two years almost. Uh, I backed that and many other projects at the worst time in human history to start crowdfunding games. But it's finally arriving this week, hopefully undamaged, and I will report back next episode on uh, hopefully a a first playthrough of the game. But that is it for me for BackBot. How about you? Well, uh, from a back standpoint... Uh, you may not, I may not always have to say this, but I, at current, <laughs> am not backing anything. Um, I did back some stuff last month, which we talked about, uh, on both GameFound and Kickstarter, but so far for July, I am backed free. Um, I did get, uh, the season three of Clash of Decks arrived, uh, last week. Um, so that was four more expansions plus another, uh, you know, sort of an initiate initiation pack that I could give to somebody. Um, uh, so maybe we'll give that away, maybe on another gi- upcoming giveaway, um, to get people into Ooh, Clash nice. of Decks. Um, but that's all that has shown up. There are, I've been getting a lot of notifications. So, uh, UPS and FedEx will be busy. Uh, well, I hope, well, at least FedEx, hopefully UPS sorts their stuff out. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you knew they were on strike. Yeah. 
So I'm hoping this game gets here before it gets too bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then backed, or then I bought the bot portion. Uh, as you heard earlier, uh, I did buy my shelfie. Uh, I did buy another version of Taco Gat Goat Cheese Pizza for my son. Um, and then this is where I went a little, not, not too bad, but, um, I, uh, Ryan actually, uh, when I was in Maryland, I was looking for a specific game that has, uh, gone a little bit out of print, not super hard, but it's been pretty difficult, at least in my circle to try to find, uh, was Challengers. Uh, there is a second edition or a, a standalone sequel coming soon. Um, so I loved the concept of challengers, hoping to get that to the table soon. So Ryan found that, uh, at a local books slash game store. So Ryan picked that up for yeah, me. Yeah, I want to play that pretty bad. I <laughs> found a board game at a liquidator that I typically wouldn't have bought, but it was, I think $8 and it was as we as we just talked about campaigns and narrative games was the Princess Bride adventure book game. So <laughs> it's made by Ravensburger, so can't beat 8 8 bucks I guess. And but just to be able to ma- bounce around a map as under the giant, I just think that's worth the price for admission. So I think I paid $8. Yeah, it checks for it. out for you. Yeah, so uh, so again, $8. I couldn't let it sit. Um, Dune Imperium was on clearance at Target for, I think I paid $28 on clearance. Wow. So I was like, eh, uh, it's got the clearance sticker. It's, well, let's just do it. So I threw it in the cart. Um, I read through the rules. Seems pretty fun. Worker placement, deck building. So, uh, it might be something that our, I think our group dig, would, would dig. Uh, and then. Yeah, the, it's supposed to be really good. And then the last thing that I purchased actually just showed up today was, oddly enough, I mentioned it during our uh, campaign discussion was the latest expansion for Hero Quest, Rise of the Dread Moon has arrived. Ooh, nice. So, uh, so that's what I bought. Which again is too list. bad. And yeah, it's under a hundred dollars. Good <laughs> some good deals in there too, <laughs> yeah. honestly. I mean twenty eight like bucks the, for doing Imperium, Imperium deals. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a freaking steal. Yeah. It, it, this is another part of all this is like I'm just learning to wait. I'm yeah. learning to wait because like we, uh, we were at uh Games what is it? No, not Games Keep. What's the place uh yeah, Gameskeep. And uh, I saw a car- copy of Bardsung, and I'm like, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And I just saw it on Reddit for like 60 bucks the other day. Like someone played it through once and yeah. it's done. And like like th- this is the other thing with Dead Reckoning. It was like 300 and some dollars for everything. I'm finding it for 150 Like I-, I will get there. I will get these games. Just I'm not going to pay that price anymore uh, unless it's a, you know, a manufacturer or a publisher or a particular designer I really want to support. Yeah. I'm going aftermarket for a lot of that stuff because the reality is I just can't I can't get to all of it and can't afford all of that anymore. Well, or shouldn't at least. It's funny you mentioned that, and I didn't know you. I forgot you were looking at it. I sh- I probably could have asked, but um, when I was in Maryland, the game store had the Kickstarter Bard song, 
on the used oh, shelf. Wow. For it was like I think it was like a hundred and ten bucks. I don't know if that's a good price or oh, not. Oh boy! But uh, yeah, for the Kickstarter one, I think. And then they had. I mean, like, that game kind of fell flat, but yeah. So I don't know if I'd play it anymore, but it still interests me at least. Yeah, if but I it, get a good deal on it. Yeah, but there was a lot, so uh, not sure if I'm going back in August. But if I do, I can always hit you up. Nope, I'm already allocated to two Kickstarters. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I want to do. Uh, I want to do the King's Oath, and I want to do. Uh, what was the other one? Or sorry, the Old King's Crown, not the King's Oath, and then Deep Rock, Deep Rock expansion. Okay. I definitely want that. I want to pick that up. So and, I'm excited to see what's going to be in that. And I have officially started the packs list. Dun dun dun. Ooh. So I'm starting. So Yeah. I've got four games on there. We should talk about that yeah. as we get closer here. <laughs> see what our, our grail games are gonna be for that. But we got a long way to go yet. It's only July. It happens uh, fast. It goes by. Yeah. It goes quick and you can tell we're already excited. <laughs> <laughs> Which is expected, so all right, uh, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you again all for listening. Congratulations to our contest winner. We will be in touch soon, and we will hopefully have another contest soon enough. So yeah. keep listening. We thank you again, you Jordan. Good stuff as we're able. Congrats. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening, and congratulations, and hope you enjoy it, and let us know what you think. In the meantime, if you're interested, you could check us out at PlayGamesLoseFriends.com. That has all of our old episodes. You can also uh, check us out on Instagram at PlayGamesLoseFriends or Twitter at PGLF Show. If you're interested in talking to us at all on any topics, including campaign games, let's hear what you like about them. You can email us at PlayGamesLoseFriends at gmail.com. Uh, if you like the show, subscribe, follow, whatever, on your favorite podcast software spotify apple uh podcasts google play whatever i don't even have an android phone so i have no idea what i'm talking about there <laughs> and uh you know give us a good review it helps the show if you like it and if not let us know and we always like constructive criticism or any criticism something yeah anyway that's gonna do it any final words for our dear listeners ken no just get out there play some games have some fun and I guess try to not lose your friends. <laughs> and stay cool, folks. It's getting really, really hot out there. It is gross. Like, brutal. <laughs> all right. We will talk to you guys all next time. Until then, play games, don't lose your friends, and have fun. See you all. Later. Later.